chapter 6. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful to gather around the Word today. Lord, just I ask you to lead and guide us together as we learn and grow and study. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to keep talking all through. I believe this will go through the summer Anytime that it's Selena and I's chance to speak, uh, do please. Uh, I thank the ladies that gather for prayer on Sundays that were praying for Selena. Selena had, uh, we only suspect it was some kind of a gallbladder attack late last night, and so she didn't like sleep at all. Uh, and so I sat up with her a little bit in the evening time, uh, and she's better this morning, but. Uh, but yeah, so just be praying for her on that kind of stuff. So that's why she's not here. Our intention was is that we would minister together. And as we move forward into the summer, you'll see us ministering more together as we are wanting to do and being inspired to do. Does that make sense? But we're going to talk about continually the vision of the church family. We're going to take this summer. And so these sessions, when I'm talking again, um, they are open for your questions. They're open for your comments. They're open for discussion. Uh, If we're talking about something and and you just want to chime in, just raise your hand and jump on in. But this is the time I really want to invite interaction. And I gave you all the last time a few weeks ago, I gave you the the sheets with the vision. Do you all still all have those? And stuff, if you want to bring those with you on Sundays as a way to kind of follow along, you're welcome to. But anyway, but we're going to talk about vision. So I'm going to back up and, and kind of tell a bit of the story of how we started as a church. And it's going to lead into where we're going to go. So about five years ago now, almost six, you know, God put it on Selena and I's heart uh, to begin to look at opening what we are doing now, the Life of Faith North Campus. Uh, he began to, well, I mean... Some of y'all that don't know the story of how we came home. I was born and raised here. I know we have some guests. I was born and raised here in Alabama, just over in the corner area, kind of corner. It, it's, now it's called Empire. We weren't called Empire back then. We were just out in the middle of nowhere, Blunt County, right? I mean, so it has grown, and now it's Empire or whenever that changed. But that's kind of where I grew up. Went to Bible college, met Selena. We began a journey. And to be honest, I never thought I'd come home. Like when I left home in the mid-90s and went to Bible college, I thought uh, I would come back and visit, but I really felt like the Lord would have me go into different nations of the earth, and He has and done different stuff. So I never, I, never in my life would I have imagined that God literally brought me right back here. <laughs> but that's just pretty cool how He does things. Amen. I'm so grateful that His plan's better than my plan. Amen. Uh, and so anyway, so we, we begin a journey and, and do some stuff. And we were in Canada for 10 years. And as many of you know, some things that happened there. But Selena began to experience burnout. Uh, and we always kind of had code language with each other because uh, we saw so many people go through burnout in ministry. And we'd have language. And I encourage every married couple to create your own code language so you know what you're talking about and nobody else knows. Uh, but we had a, a thing where she looked at me. She says, hey, the little red light on my dashboard just came on. And that was our code that, that she was redlining and things were going on in her soul. And so that kind of just sealed the deal on that we needed to close down what we were doing in Canada and come home, come back here. But we thought we'd never get back into ministry again, to just be honest. Like when we made, I call it my reverse step of faith, I thought I was stepping out of ministry and just into regular old life. And that's just what we do. And, and we just keep on going, right? And I just I never didn't know, right? And so, but anyway, so six years later, after we come home, God begins to say, hey, why don't you start 
the church and, and the passion for pastoring woke up in both of us. She was well. She was completely healed in her soul. And we started that way and she was good and she was just as excited to get it going. But as I began to pray, I said, well, Lord, I mean, again, we're in Alabama. I mean, I just did recent research. Realized we're the second most religious state in the country. The only state that beats us is Mississippi. Amen. And, and that's judged by there are 7,000, like six or 800 and something churches in the state of Alabama. Right. So I, I jokingly say, you know, you can't throw a dead cat here without hitting a church of some flavor. Right. And so when we're going to pray and thinking about starting another church family, I said, well, Lord, I just don't want to start another church because we got tons of them. Amen. We got, so we got church on every street corner. I mean, when at the time we can, I could count, I think it was seven or eight churches between my house and the Mount Olive Community Center where we first started meeting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just was praying and we were at, over at Irondale on a Saturday during prayer and Brother Lamar Higgins, who has since moved on into another part of the state, he was there, a real father of our church family. And Brother Lamar was there that Saturday, and he, he turned around and he looked at me and he said, you're a, you're a father of the house, and you need to know that. And when he said, you're a father of the house, God spoke to me, he says, you'll build a place where people can belong, where people can be known, and where people can become what I've made them to be. And that's how we started Right To build a place, and it's still so strong with me, to build a place here where people can belong, where they can be known, and where they can become. And I want to be real clear on the become part. Not become something that they're not, but to become what they've always been. It's more a becoming by discovery than a becoming by creation. And we'll get into that in another week. Right, but let's just say that I say say belong, be known, and become, because that's what we're all about. If you wanted to sum up what my heart is for our church family, it's those three things: that people would belong, that people would be known, and that people would become. So let's talk about belonging. I love. Thank y'all for answering my question on Group Me. There were some great, I'm going to just go there and read some of them. There were just great comments that were done this last week. I should have had this all queued up earlier. So again, and I'm just going to name you because you're already on group me. So, so Josh, I like what Josh said, you know, he thinks about belonging. The first thing that comes to mind is family. I mean, we're going to talk about that a lot this morning, that that is true. Family is the language of heaven. We do not have a corporate language. We have a familial language. Does that make sense? Right. We are not a corporation. We are not an institution. We are a family. Right. And that needs to be the core of our language about each other in heart. Right. Um, I like you know, Josh, he, he continues on and he says, in the midst of family, you're not worried about fitting in. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. amen. How many of you know we all got in our earthly families, you, you got some strange ones, right? Anybody got some, you know, I always jokingly say in every family tree has got squirrels and nuts in it. And if, if you're ever wondering what you are, you're one of those two, right? If you, if you don't, if you can't name the squirrel and the nut, it's probably you, right? 
you know, but every family's got squirrels and nuts in the tree. Amen. But when family, you don't worry about, listen, we're going to talk about that again. Listen, it's not about fitting in. Yeah. Right. It's about helping people belong. I mean, we're going to keep, keep going again. You know, I love Kevin said it's, it's a level of acceptance that comes from intimacy of relationship. Amen. Amen. That there's acceptance. Belonging means acceptance. Amen. I love uh, Katie talked about this and she said, I like this. It's like if somebody was putting the dishes away, I'd tell them something like I'm cooking utensils. This is the drawer they belong in. And so you would know, hey, listen, you put that over here with the utensils. It belongs over here, right? That everyone has a place, that everyone has a part to play. Amen. I, I love, again, Alicia so much. And you go back and read in detail. I, I don't want to take time to read all of them. But Alicia, it, it's ownership. And I love what she said here. It's about owning, quote, unquote, people in a good way. And I know that's how that we chuckle, right? We chuckle. But listen to me. You need to understand that part of belonging is to understand that God wants to give you people. Yes. You have to understand that people are one of our, again, in my, in my life in ministry, I, I've done a study and I have found five things that I call our living inheritance. That while we're alive on this earth, Father has pre-given us five inheritances. And one of those things is people. That people are your and I's living inheritance. That God says, I love you and I trust you enough that he literally gives you a portion of his highest creation. Come on, are you with me? Now, can, can I just, uh, how many of you are prosperity people? Come on now. How many of you believe in blessing? You, okay, let me just say it like this. No prosperity kind of, it, it trips people's breakers. How many think that God wants to bless you like super awesomely? Yeah. <laughs> like he wants to like, just like bless your socks off. Yeah. Like you saw the post I put on Facebook. I love, he, he wants to, to break your net and sink your boat. How many of you know that he wants to do that? He wants you to, hey, chunk your net over there, and it's going to break your net. It's going to sink your boat. He's just going to just pour so much. We were at a, a housewarming, and I love this, with some of the family in Irondale yesterday. And it's uh, Anusha uh, and Sushil. Sushil's the husband. Anusha's the wife. Ready, and they're East Indian, uh, and they're part of the Irondale family, and they just got their first home. Right here in the States. They just bought their first home. We had, they had a big celebration and anything, but they did an Indian custom that we were there. They had all the ladies go in the kitchen and she gave each lady a little copper vessel like glass and it had milk in it. And all the ladies went by and they poured this milk into a copper pot that was on the stove and they literally boiled the milk until it ran over and made a massive mess all over the top of the new stove. Because that in their culture, that was a sign of overflow and blessing and abundance that God just wants to overflow your milk pot. I just remember going, that's just so cool. Like, we don't have anything cool like that. We just do white. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, because, you know, I, I'm sitting there looking at some of y'all are going, she just made a mess in her new house. And that's, that doesn't sound like a blessing at all. I mean, <laughs> but I, you know, but we, I just love that God wants to overflow. Anybody, that's your faith. How many believe that? Come on now. Play my game. Play nice. 
then why would he not do that with the most important resource he ever created? What is the most valuable thing God ever made? People. How do we know that? Because it's the only thing he went after to redeem when it was lost. See, he only redeems the earth because we're here. If the earth was alone, he would have left it unredeemed. But because we're here. Come on now. You realize that because you're here, you make the earth redeemable. Some of y'all are about halfway home. But listen, if so, if we believe, and I do believe that God is a God of superabundant blessing, then we must have an expectation that that would include the greatest thing he ever made. That he wants to superabundantly bless your life with people. That he wants to give you people that you get the privilege of stewarding, of owning, of caring for, of leading, of loving of, of, of discipling, of just expressing love and heart too. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. So go with us here, Galatians chapter 6. So we're going to talk today about belonging. And again, at any time, feel free to ask a question, make a comment, clarify anything. Because I really want the vision to go down deep into our hearts, right? Because this is who we are. So it says here in Galatians chapter 6, and, and you got to back up to verse 6. It says, Let him that is taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. Now, and again, this is, he's literally talking about, Paul is talking about blessed people that minister into your life. If someone teaches you spiritual things, it's good for us to return that with physical things. Amen. And again, I know that sounds self-serving as a preacher. I'm not asking for an offering. Amen. Does that make sense? But we should give a lot of offerings. Yes. I mean, if there's, if there's ministers in your life and they teach you and they instruct you, it is good for you to give to that person. Does that make sense? Uh, this is okay. Everybody look at Amen. Uh, again, do you, do you realize that most ministers, most pastors, right, have to work in order to survive? That the very handful of people we see on TV, you know, the TV preachers that can have both love and hate all at the same time. <laughs> Amen. They're rare. You understand that, don't you? Again, I'll just name it. You know, the Kenneth Copelands of the world, the Keith Moores, the Jesse Duplantises, right? The minister, they are rare in percentage in the sense of that they get the privilege of being able to just focus on. Even pastors, the number of pastors that uh, they, they, the church isn't able to pay them a salary even though it would love to. Does that make sense? Right. I say that to say that, that this is all, it's good that we do this. Amen. So let's keep going. Don't be deceived, he says. In verse 7, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Because if he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, again, I, and not to get off on this, not meant to be a preaching message or a given message necessarily. But, again, that talks about the attitude. It's not talking about the action. He's Again, in context, he's talking about money. 
So if we give money from a flesh attitude, we will reap corruption. If we give money because we feel like we, got, we have to, it's a sense of duty, blah, 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 blah. It's grudgingly, it's not done cheerfully or generously, as Paul says. If we, if we give from flesh, and I can I just pick on all of us word of faith or stuff, and, if, and some of that flesh is if I'm giving just to get. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give because I want my hundredfold. <laughs> Even though I quasi-agree with hundredfold. I'm, I'm like 50-50 on the hundredfold thing, but that's another sermon for another day. If you're interested in knowing that, we can talk later, right? But uh, God will, yes, will he bless you when he gives? When you give, will he bless you? Yes. yes. Like if you give money, will, will, will it come back to you? Yes. But if that's the only reason we give, we give of the flesh and we reap corruption. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Very good. I think I should just pray now and we'll go home. Amen. It's all right. But if we give of the Spirit, when we give from our heart, when we give because it's joyful and it's cheerful and we want to and we're excited. Guys, listen, can I just be transparent with you guys? Again, this has been Selena and I's journey here in the last couple of years. has really been, I didn't realize how much um, I worked for a living. I didn't work for a giving. And I realize that that's wrong. That Paul tells in the instructions in the New Testament, he says, let every one of you work with your hands so that you would have to give. And in that one passage, God tells us the principal reason we go out and get a job is so that we have a way to give from. Amen. Now that's a brain bender. I'm just talking about something that's brain, it been in my brain. I'm with you. So, you know, again, I'm letting God bend my brain. But Selena and I are actively. I mean, can I just tell you what we're doing? I didn't mean to get off on all this. Is this okay? Everybody all right? Again, so Selena and I, we learned this from Brother Keith Moore. I thought it was a great idea. So Selena and I have dedicated ourselves. We opened up a separate bank account that we just call our giving account. It's a checking account. And every time we get paid from all of our different industries that we do, we put 13% into that giving account. And I'm doing it, just to be honest, as a game with God. I'm just saying, Lord, I'm just, I'm going to have fun with this with you. I want to see what you'll do. Right? So we put 13% in, 10% comes like your 10% comes here to the offerings of the church. Right? So we tithe here just like you tithe here. But the other 3%, it sits there. Right? And I have been shocked at how much has gotten in there. Because I have intentionally not necessarily been a great tracker of it. It's just we have a system. Selena, she takes, I mean, I'll just, y'all give here today. I'll gather the offerings. They'll go with the front fly leaf of this Bible. I'll go home and sometime this afternoon I'll sit down and I'll put them into a spreadsheet and acknowledge what all of you have given and where it goes. And that goes to Miss Janice for bookkeeping so you get your records. Then Selena bundles it up. Selena spent $10 of the church's money last week because she got tired of writing on the back of your checks for deposit only. So she bought a stamp. <laughs> so now she'll, it came in last, it came in yesterday. She's all excited. You know, this, my stamp is here. She can stamp. And so she's there. So we'll, we'll do all that kind of stuff and put that. And then we write, we, then at the same time she's preparing the church's deposit, she goes and looks what I got paid and whatever she might've got paid from last Friday. And she'll write our check and put it in with you guys and it'll go. Does that make sense? 
But man, that, that extra, that 3%, it's got big. I don't mind telling you, last time I looked, it was $708. I'm like going, and we just started like not that long ago. Like maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe. January, February, something in there. So now I'm like going, and that money we've dedicated, that money we get to play with and give with. I mean, there was, there was four of y'all that I felt we bought y'all a book that came from that account. Isn't that cool? There's some more of y'all that I just bought presents yesterday for. I mean, don't worry. I'm, gonna, I'm praying to get all of y'all, to be honest. I mean, isn't that cool? Hey, I could. But here Paul says, hey, when you give there, you actually do something spiritual. You transform something physical into eternal life. Isn't that what he said? But if you give of the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap back what? Everlasting. The God kind of life. That sounds like a better deal than just a hundredfold. <laughs> that sounds like a better deal than just I got some. Now again, please hear me. I think there's going to be money coming back. I, I, I don't doubt that. You've heard me say that over all the years. If you've been with us for six years, giving and receiving is like the law of gravity, right? How much faith, if I climb to the top of our building and I walk that way, how many of you know if I get to the end of the roof line that I have to go down to God, I'm going to take a step here and I'm going to believe that I hit the ground hard. I want a hundredfold return on the law of gravity. Lord, I want, I want a splat big. Amen. Do I have to have faith for that? No, why? Come on, y'all help me. Because it's the law of gravity. I don't have to get up there and confess up my splat. I don't have to believe God for multiple breakages and bones. I'm just going to step off the building and fall through and hit the ground, and it's just going to happen. Guys, that's giving and receiving. You don't have to worry about that. You give, and it's like gravity. It will come back. It can't help it. But that's not the focus of why we give. The focus of how we get is, Lord, I, I want to see everlasting life. I want to see everlasting life in you. I want to see everlasting life in our community. I want to see everlasting life in our world. I want to. Anyway, that's all extra. I even got to where we're trying to get to. So it says in verse 9 So don't then let us grow weary in doing good. You know, I've got a series that God hadn't let me preach yet to you guys called The Things That Make Us Weary. So far, I've found six, six things in the Bible that will make you weary. And this is one of them. He said, don't get weary in giving. Now, again, I want to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever gotten weary in giving? Hey, I'm with you. Right? Normally because we get beat up and made to feel guilty about it. (laughs) Some of us, because we've been so taught and we're looking for the return, we're like, well, Lord, when is it going to come? And people can get weary and hear the script. Hey, listen, don't go weary in doing good. What is the good he's talking about here? Giving. Don't let your soul ever get weary in giving. Ever. Amen. Just give. Amen. Well, Brad, how do I do that? Sometimes you have to change up what you do. Right. Sometimes if you feel like you're getting weary and doing stuff, then uh, again, I encourage you to go find somebody new to bless. Right. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. Again, I've said it before. I think a message has turned into an offer message. You mean for it too. But remember, I've said there should be three kinds of giving, right? We should give our tithes and our offerings to the local church. That's one type of giving. I think we should give to other ministries and ministers that ring the bell of our heart. Like we said earlier, people that speak to us, people that are doing things that we're like, yep, we need to do that. Amen. Can I just, uh, I mean, I'm just going to just, since we're all talking money, I'm just going to let y'all know. I know there's a lot of hoopla about the church just up the street that meets in the old Fred's. Uh, wherever it is. I know I'm bad. I'm directly challenged. Uh, wherever it is, you know, that they, they just sent $10,000 to Audra in the orphanage. They sent 5000 to her personally and 5000 to the orphanage to help build the new house. And so for all the stuff you read on Facebook... That's, that's checks that came to my house. Wow. So that's firsthand knowledge. So let's not all chunk rocks too hard. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. So, but I love that. I mean, sometimes you just got to just bless different people. It'll, it'll rewaken your joy in giving. Right? It'll rewaken you. It'll be like, oh. Right? Amen. Because we will reap in due season, it says, if we don't lose heart. Right? And that word, don't, that phrase, don't lose heart, is the same word as used twice. It's the same word as earlier for weary. Weary doesn't mean I'm tired. Weary means I lost heart. Don't lose heart in your giving. Right? Guard your heart, it says, with all diligence, because from your heart come the boundaries of your life. The boundaries of our financial life come from our heart and come from the generosity of our heart. Does that make sense? Amen? So anyway, let's keep going. Now, verse 10, where I was trying to get to. Therefore, reading all of that to get to that one word. So he said, so therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. And then what does it say? But especially, what does that mean? Especially means what? Yeah, especially means like over and above. How much more? So if if you're going to do good over here, then especially do good over here. And who do we especially do good to? Those who are of the household of faith. Guys, listen to me. Did you know you're the household of faith? So who's he talking to? Us. You. Guys, listen. This is, we're going to look this morning for the time that remains. You're the household of faith. Again, the language of heaven is a family language. It's a household language. It's a domestic language. It's, it's familiar. It's familial. Right? Because you're the household of faith. And again, just to keep on our theme that appeared of giving, and I promise I did not mean for it to go that way at all. Not that I minded it went that way. I just didn't mean for it to go that way. But that just means, hey, listen, uh, we should do good for each other. So as we talk about reaching out, and again, we're going to go and we're going to do things in the community. We're going to give to different ministries. We're going to give. We need to say, okay, well, if I'm going to give over here, I should especially give here. And not just like, for example, in tithes and offerings. or I'm talking about to each other. 
See, why? Because that's belonging. Can I just, can I just be real, real, trans- this all right? I'm going to be real raw. This is brave, okay? I'm going to try not to get too fleshy. I'm going to do my best. Y'all just pray for me. Stretch your hands out. Say, Brad, don't get in the flesh, right? Just, so I'm going to try not to get too fleshy. But one of the things that, that I'm kind of sick and tired of in the church at large is that people who are guests are more valuable than people who belong. Have y'all, have, am I the only one that's noticed that before? That again, now we, we have guests with us. We love y'all. We're so glad you're here. First time with us. So great. Please come back. I mean, we're not, you know, and all. I mean, we, and we should, we should be excited when people come. But how many of you, you know, you've been to church and there's a special gift for the guest. All you home folks. So sorry. <laughs> come on. You don't got you Does that make sense? You know, hey, if you're a guest, you get to go hang out with the pastor. I mean, I've been shocked at the number of times I've had people in our homes that's been in Alabama, and this is the first time we've ever been to a pastor's house. And I'm like going, are we like all doing drugs? What's like, what's the matter? This should be normal. I mean, I'll tell you why in just a minute. So, guys, listen, I want it to be where the most value comes for those who belong. That we are welcoming of guests. Yes, we're so excited when people come. Sure, absolutely. But man, I want it to be where I belong here. And there should be more value for those that belong than those who just want to attend. That's why, again, we don't do membership classes. The reason why is because you show me if you're a member. You show up, you participate, you give, you're involved, you're here, you're in. I don't need to run you through a class and take attendance and go, okay, for, for them to somehow send you some mystic, magical letter. That I'm supposed to keep on. I know I'm picking on people. I'm trying not to get in the flesh. That I keep in some file drawer somewhere. You know, I'll never forget in Canada, right? You know, we're there. Been pastoring in Canada 10 years. And, and somebody came. They came twice. Everybody say twice. People came twice to the church. In 10 years. Everybody say 10 years. Say twice in 10 years. And I bump into somebody and, and we're talking. And oh, I'm Brad Holloman. Oh, you pastor Word and Action Church. Yeah, that's, that's me. I pastor over there. Oh, well, then you know so-and-so. They go to your church. And I'm going to go, well, I met them twice. But they run and say, oh, yeah, we go to Brad's church. No, you don't. <laughs> it may be where you go to church when you go to church. But you don't belong. Is this, is this all right this morning? Listen, guys, listen. Let me back up. So, uh, did y'all hear my heart? Because listen, transpose this not just to here, but to your whole life. Many of you may or may not know we're in Canada and we go to help my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law start the church. That was our heart. And to be honest, that was, uh, 
was my greatest heart's desire was to do ministry with my, my family. And then it all just went to stuff. So I'm getting better. I almost cussed again. I'm doing better. And it all went to stuff, right? It went to compost, right? And everything went. And, um, and we're there and, and standing in the middle of divorce and all kinds of other stupid. And, and just, man, just that, that thing we realized, man, everything just died. Everything you thought, everything you imagined, everything you wanted is just gone. Right? Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Right? And I'm sitting there and I had my two pastors are still on my pastoral team of, of my life, Pastor Tony Cook and Pastor Tony Cribb. So funny, both Dave Tony, both names start with a C, so you can't even kind of hide them. You just got to tell them. So I remember I'm sitting down and I'm telling Pastor Tony Cook, you know, what's going on and, and what, what do you do and help and all this kind of stuff. And I remember, and he was very tactful of Pastor Tony. He goes, well, Brad, you know, one day you're going to die. And I'm like going, okay, I, I, I'm listening, but I don't like where this is going. Right? <laughs> he goes, you know, one day you're going to die and for 30 minutes they're going to talk about what a great pastor you were. And then for another 30 minutes, they're going to talk about how great this potato salad is. And you'll be replaced about that fast. And he says, don't build yourself around ministry. He says, build yourself around people. Because then later I met with Pastor Tony Cribb and it was so funny that they, I don't even know if they know each other or not, but I met Pastor Tony Cribb just up here, uh, just down from the Irondale church at that, uh, that hotel that's there. He just happened to be in town for a whole nother thing. I think he was going to Highlands Grove Conference. But anyway, I meet him in the hotel over there and I'm sitting with him and I'm telling him what has gone on. And Pastor Tony Cribb looks at me and goes, well, Brad, you know, one day you're going to die. I remember going, like, what is this prophetic? I mean, this is... <laughs> Two of my pastors start the conversation. Well, one day, Brad, you're going to die. And he says, and all around your casket will be your family. And then he says, and there'll be men that'll be there. He says, and those men will take your kids fishing. And those men will mow your wife's grass. And those men will fix the leaky faucet. And those men will show up when you're gone. He says, give those people your life and give everybody else your ministry. And I didn't know what he was teaching with. The time was, he says, you have to learn how to belong. See, in our culture, we don't know how to belong anymore. Family is so disintegrated. Right? Culture is so fragmented. Most of us live such fragmented lives, we don't even realize it. Our lives are so hyper-compartmentalized that we have our home life and we have our church life and we have our work life and we have our hobby life. And for so many people, those spheres never cross. They never intersect. They're separate from one another, isolated from each other. Have y'all seen that? Uh, Again, we were at uh, the Reddy's housewarming yesterday and, and my boss, Tim Yeager, was there. And, and Chad Adams, a good friend from Irondale, was there. And, and Caleb does work for Mr. Chad in one of his business. Huh? And Mr. Tim. He works for both of them and stuff. And, and I've worked for Chad, and he's worked for me, all this kind of stuff. But we're walking in. But my boss, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, you know, it's so good to see you outside of work. And I said, yeah, it's good to see you too. And I just involuntarily, I said, you know, it's so good when all of our spheres cross over. It means we're actually living. And Chad stopped dead still and he turned and looked at me and goes, you know, that's so very good. Is that why? Because we belong. 
Does, does this help? Guys, this, this is what we're creating. It, it's not just a place on Sundays and Thursdays and Tuesdays or whatever we do in events and conferences. These things we'll do, but, but they're the seeding ground of belonging. Yes. They're the place where we come so that we can actually build what actually matters. And that's that people know they belong. That there's a place they can call home. But remember, home isn't an address. Home is a people. Is this, in, is this inspiring y'all at all? I mean, I mean, again, I heard this years ago, and it's, it's a phrase that, that I endeavor to live my, my life by. And it, he said, the person who said this to me says, do you know the people that know the song of your heart so well that they can sing your song back to you when you've forgotten the words? Did you hear that? Do you know those people? Who are those people that they know the song of your life so well that when the brown smelly stuff like happened to me, when life happens and you can forget the words of your own song, you've got people that come up beside you and they start to hum your song back to you. I love it. You know, but listen, but it's belonging guys. Listen, people are starving for belonging. Yes. They're not starving for another church service. Yeah. Very as much as I love church services, you're all, we're all here in one. So I'm not hating on church services. But people are starving to belong. Yes. Right? I actually re-looked at it last night. There's a, you can look at it. It's called Maslow's pyramid of basic needs and it's a pyramid and it looks and if you look and it it starts off with things like air (laughs) and water (laughs) and food like you know so the basic needs of survival then the next one comes up and it i forgot what it is it's something like shelter right or a house or you know keep the weather a roof over your head but then the very next one once you get past food and water and shelter the very next need that has been identified as the most basic need of man is belonging more than purpose more than calling more than anointing it's that people Does that make sense? And guys, that's what I want us to build. So now, Lord, where do we go? Yes, sir. So go to First Timothy. And this, I thought this would be one Sunday. <laughs> and Chris says, foolish bread. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 3. We've got about 10 more minutes and we'll land the plane. Again, guys, listen, I know I'm saying stuff. I know... Um, I don't know if this is the first time for y'all to hear this. I don't know if this uh, rubs anybody's cat backwards or not. Um, but please talk to me about this. These are, these are the things that are the DNA of, of who I am. Right? These are the DNA of Selena and I. 
this is, this is what I want to be the DNA of, of this place and of, of all of us who would call ourselves the Life of Faith family. Right? Amen. So I, I want you, as we leave, practically to begin to pray and ask God to teach you more about belonging. Again, what, that's why I asked, what does belonging look like to you? Now we have to ask the question, okay, God, what does belonging look like in the Bible? Does that make sense? What, what is belonging? And so I'm going to begin. First Timothy chapter 3. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll go here. This is interesting. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start in verse 1. And again, we're going to try to get down. We will get down to the main verse. Uh, and we'll go from there. But it's interesting. This is, uh, and again, for just teaching's sake, this is uh, one of the three what's called the pastoral letters. So any of you here that have a heart or a desire to pastor and lead God's people, I'm going to ask you to spend time in these three letters over the, next, over the summer. First and second Timothy and Titus. Those are the three pastoral letters. So I want you to read this, right? But I'm going to do this. In these letters and what we're about to read, Paul unpacks what is called the qualifications for pastors. Have you ever wondered what it took to be a pastor? Anybody ever wondered that? Nobody. Nobody's ever wondered. Okay, so, I mean, <laughs> the reason why I said that shocking is because is how many of you know we got, if we got 7,000 change churches, that means we've got about 7,000 and change pastors. And did you realize that over 50 to 60% of those pastors have no idea why they're doing what they're doing or what it's supposed to look like? And that at the church at large, and again, now I'm going to get back on the fleshy side. Just just stretch your hands out one more time. (laughs) Right? Because I want you to think in your mind, pastor, what what does it mean? What are you looking for? I'm going to, because everybody says, I need a good pastor. Anybody ever? I need a good, anybody ever thought that before? I need me a good pastor. Anybody ever thought that before? Nobody thought that. Come on now. Does that, how many ever thought, I need a good pastor? Or heard somebody say, Josh, you need a good pastor. Anybody ever heard that before? I've heard that. But you never, nobody ever thought, dear Jesus. Okay, we've got a bigger problem than I thought. Okay, in case you didn't know, you need a pastor. Well, you said good pastor. Exactly. You need a good pastor. <laughs> Good, bad, or indifferent. Good, bad, or ugly. I'll just start with, have you ever heard that before? You need a pastor. Good. I'm, I'm with you, Miss Eloise. I, I hear you. And uh, unfortunately, there's, that is not totally untrue. And that's because we don't teach people what it actually looks like. And then we don't actually pay them to do what they're supposed to do. We pay him to be people's spiritual cruise director. That's probably what they hired on the day, though. Well, some of them did. I'm not going to give you that, 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 that part either. I mean, some of them, I, I, again, I hear you. But listen, do you understand? Expectation is key. Did I tell you all that story? You know, we're in Canada again. I'm, I'm pastoring there. At that time, the church could pay us, and I, and I got a salary from the church. And I just happened to be home one day. Uh, and I can't remember I, don't remember, I don't know if we remember if we had a landline or I picked up Selena. Anyway, I picked up the house phone. I can't remember if it was the house cell phone or whatever, but I pick up the phone, answer it. I see it's one of the board members' wives. I pick it up and say hello. 
And she goes off on me. She goes, well, what are you doing now? And I said, and I did not. I'm just happened to be here. And she goes off, well, my husband's out there and he's working 12 hours a day and da, 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 and you're there. And what do we pay you to do anyway? I'm like going, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's, here's Selena. You know? <laughs> I'm teaching to never answer the phone again, right? I mean, and so, but, uh, but it, it challenged me. And I sat back and I said, well, what do they pay me for anyway? Yeah. Valid question, right? They pay me. Do I know why they pay me? Do they know why they pay me? And is any of that in the Bible? Because we pay pastors to do all kinds of stuff. Ain't in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Are you with me? I, I could, I, I, to be nice, uh, I, I'll just throw a couple of titles. You could read a book called Pagan Christianity. Which is a very indicting thing that talks about the pagan roots of almost everything you see done in church today. That's just been baptized over the years in some Christian spirituality, but you can't find in the pages of Scripture. I'll just leave that right there. It's got a companion book. You got to read the second one too, because the first one he's kind of snarky, and the second one he gives you answers. So make sure you read both of them together. Does that make sense? But here, listen. This is I'm about to paint the picture. So that whether, I mean, and my prayer and hope is that you guys, I get to be your pastor till Jesus comes back. But I also realize that God may cause some of you to move on. And God may ask some of y'all to go to different places and do different things. And that's okay too. Does that make sense? But my job while you're here is to help you know what you're looking for wherever you go. Because again, how many of you know, if, if I said, you know, I'm going to pick on Kevin a little bit. If Kevin came up and said, you know, I think I got this brain tumor up here, Brad, and it's hurting real bad. Can you help me? And I go to YouTube and I pull out my pocket knife and I say, hold on, we'll help you out. How many of you know those actions don't qualify me to be a brain surgeon? I, or, if, or if you think I'm halfway, how many know like orthodontics is not something you DIY? I mean, I've got all my kids, and they're all going to need braces, maybe except Savannah. That's not something I'm trying to do at home with baling wire <laughs> and figure out how to do it a little bit cheaper. Does that make sense? Because you want people that are qualified. Right? Because listen to me. God said, hey, listen, here are the qualifications to lead in the house of God. So heaven help us if I'm going to go and make sure my dentist is qualified, my doctor is qualified. I mean, shoot, when I did handyman work, people wanted to see how I was qualified. And I go, well, I can read a tape measure. <laughs> but I didn't go to school to do this. I mean, so if you want somebody else, I'll hook you up. And, many times, and I want you to want somebody else because, you know, anyway, I'm going to tell you stories about the lady that was watching and she had binoculars while we, were, <laughs> while we were painting gutters. And she's literally, with binoculars, we're up on ladders, painting her gutters. Oh, you missed a spot. <laughs> anyway, so 
I mean, heaven's to, to mercy. If we do that, how much more if we all agree we need a pastor? We should have a qualified one. Let's read the list. So first, number one, therefore, that says this is a faithful saying that if a man and I'm going to throw in there or a woman. Right. And because, again, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. I believe in lady pastors, lady preachers, lady ministers. Does that make sense? Because I, I just happen to go along with Jesus that if Jesus happened to call two ladies, one before his resurrection and one after his resurrection to be the first carriers of the gospel, then what in the world am I to say something different? And I like what I heard one preacher recently say, and I just, I've been waiting to use it, and that's all I'll use it right now. And if Mary could carry the word of God for nine months, why couldn't she carry a Bible after that? There you go. Oh. I'll just leave that one right there. <laughs> Does that make sense? So, so if a man or a woman desires the position of a bishop, they desire a good work. Can I just stop right there for a minute? Uh, how many of you realize in there that uh, it doesn't say those that are called? What does it say? And I looked up the Greek meaning of that word and it has nothing to do with calling. It has everything to do with passion and want to. So listen, first thing about your pastor, your pastor should want to pastor. If you go somewhere and the person stands up and says, God made me do this, run. And more than 80% of them, that's how they want to convince you they're called. I don't want to be here. I'd rather do something else. Now, again, I'll give you this. That might have been how you started. But if that has not changed since you started, please get out of the ministry. Because the last thing we need are ministers who don't want to minister. Because, huh? It's false humility. It's, it's just stupid on steroids. Does that, God wants you to want to. Amen. So that's your, I want to be here. Does that make sense? Now, and again, I'll just, man, I know, is this all right? Everybody's backside doing okay? You know, again, my wife, you know, she, and she might be watching, I don't know, but, you know, she had whatever happened last night go on, and I sat up with her. You know, and, and I didn't get a ton of sleep either, but, you know, and, and I have to admit, early this morning, when my eyeballs normally pop open concerning, concerning church, does that make sense? When my, I didn't want to get up <laughs> in, my, in my flesh and me, I didn't want to, you know, I have thought about, well, I'll just call Kevin. <laughs> Amen. But bless God, don't you know, my want to is to be here. And I can change that. Does that make sense? There'll be times. Again, I'm just trying to be, we're getting somewhere. And let me tell you where we're going and we'll back up. Can we do that? Advance to verse 14. And we're going to back up. Because then I'm going to run out of time. Verse 14 of, of Timothy, 1 Timothy 3 says, These things I write you. Now again, what, is, what he is writing are the qualifications for pastor. So he's, he's talking, so these things I write you because I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write these things so that you would know how to conduct yourself in the household of faith. 
So why did Paul write these qualifications of ministry? So that the church would know how to be the church. Now, again, I, I could go here for time. Paul consistently in the pastoral letters uses this phrase talking to Timothy and to Titus. He says, be an example, be a pattern. And we've said this before, you know, Miss Teresa's here and she does seamstress work. We all know what a pattern is, right? What's a pattern? A, 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 a seamstress pattern. It's a template, right? What do you do with the pattern? Now, I've never sewed nothing in my life, so y'all going to have, what do you do with the pattern? You, you lay it down on the fabric and you cut out the fabric. Does that make sense? Right? So what is a pastor for his church? I volunteer because I want to. I say, Lord, fashion my life. Help me. So that others, when they don't know what to do, all they have to do for a short time till they get to know you better is look at me and they'll know how to lay their life down. Because they can take my life and lay my life down over their life and use me as a pattern. Now do you understand why the devil wants to corrupt ministry? Now do you understand why the devil wants to get in there and make it different? Does that make sense? Yes. Because the devil knows the pattern. Now do you understand why so many people want to be rock star Christians? Why so many people are interested in celebrity status? Come on. This is so now do you understand why we have a hard time belonging? Yeah. Because how many of you have run into ministers who you can't get near their house? Come on. I'm going to pick on my camp real hard. How many of you know ministers that have, they call them now ministers of defense? Which literally means bodyguards. People who go around them and keep other people from being some kind of anointing parasite. Because if you get too close to them before the time comes, these, these people will suck the anointing off of you. But come on now. Are you with me? It's again, if you it's why we'll never have what's called a green room. A green room is where you take the special people that come to minister and you keep them apart and you've got nice snacks back there. So they can go sit and not mingle with the dirty church people. I'm I'm, I'm pulling some gloves off and I love y'all if y'all are out there. But it's why the people that come here must be willing to be with you. The people who come here must be willing to sleep at my house. That's what I love about Steve and Rosie who came. As I called them, hey, we're getting ready to come. Do y'all want to stay at a hotel? They said, no, we want to stay at your house. I said, awesome. I was hoping you'd say that. Why? And I get because how else will we belong? Yeah. If you can't come to where I am, how can you belong? Right. Yeah. Again, how can I be like Jesus? Jesus in John chapter one, and I got to end with this. We'll pick up. 
Jesus in John chapter 1, I love it. Read the stories. He's calling the disciples. Right? You read all these stories. And so Jesus there, he's walking by the sea. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two of John's disciples hear the declaration and leave John's ministry. Bye, John. Thanks. And they go and they follow after Jesus. Right? And they're walking after him. And then in my imagination, they're kind of like, you know, kind of, you know, trying to get close. You know, trying to be cool. Jesus walking like this. And Jesus notices them and turns and says, what do you seek? And they turn back to him and they don't say, we want your next book. They don't say, you know, what's your website? Do you got a podcast? They don't, they don't say, hey, can I follow you on YouTube? Can I get your Insta? Right? What, what you know, that, that's not. He turns and says, what are you seeking? And listen to the words of people who are hungry for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They say, where do you live? They were actually saying, how do you live? We don't just want to follow from a distance. We want to move in. And what did Jesus reply? You remember John chapter 1 verse 39 if you want to go there? Let's go there real quick. Y'all looking at me kind of funny. Guys, listen to me. Do you want to belong? That is not a rhetorical question. Do you want to belong? Do you want people to belong with you and to you? I'll take the two. Maybe I can convince the rest of you later. Again, do you want to belong? Do you want to feel that you belong? Do you want others to know that they belong? And that they have a place? Here in John chapter 1. And again, it says, and so the next day John saw Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 29, this is whom I said afterward comes a man that is preferred before me who was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be manifested to Israel. There I came baptizing. And John bore witness and said, I saw the spirit descend from heaven on him like a dove and then jump down. And it says again the next day in verse 35, John stood with the two disciples and looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And then they followed Jesus in verse 37. Verse 38, Then Jesus turned and said to them that were following, What do you seek? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where do you live? Where are you staying? And then what did he say in verse 39? And Jesus turned to them and said, come and see. Belonging requires a come and see attitude. Belonging requires that we open up our life. Belonging requires that when people see us, and as it says in Hebrews, and they see that through faith and patience, you have obtained the promises of God. And they come to you and they say, how do you live? Belonging says what? Belonging says come and see. Does that make sense, church? Do you know in the church world at large, we do not have a come and see attitude. 
We have a come and listen. We have a come and sit. Sometimes we have a come and I'll think about it. (laughs) Some people say I have a come and maybe. If it's interesting enough. If it piques my interest. If I'm going to have to do anything. As long as it don't make me uncomfortable. As long as it don't run. Guys, listen to what Jesus was saying. And you go on and it says, and from that day they dwelled with him. I was trying to tie this together. And again, for time, we'll come back and look at it more in detail. In the qualifications of pastor, the one that one, all of them stick out to me, but the one of them that I think strikes me the most is it says that pastors must be, everybody say must be, given to hospitality. The word hospitality in, in the Greek language means they must be lovers of strangers. They must be those that love those that they do not know. It's a, and stranger means it's a twofold meaning. It means they must be those that will love those of people they don't know yet. I just love, I just love you. I don't know you, but I love you. Right? Just must, because I just, I just love you. And they also must be lovers of people that are not like them. Because many times in, in the church today, and tell me if you don't see this in church, uh, we practice a form of, of um, bastardized hospitality in that we, uh, we love those who are just like us. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you look like me, work like me, play like me, spin like me, man, we can be friends. We'll talk about that again. I, I really looked at it. And so Paul says, believe to the Galatians, he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. Then he says, Greek or Scythian. And if you want to go back and I do a Google, you YouTube it, look up the Scythians, right? And the Scythians were bad A. They were just, they literally were tatted up. They were the, they were, we would call them today, they were the outlaw bikers of the ancient world. They were the first, you look up, they were the first, what's called the horse lords. Anybody, now, do not raise your hand on this. I did not, that doesn't mean anything. But if you watch Game of Thrones, right, and that kind of stuff, the dude, the Jason Momoa dude would have been a Scythian. That was the Scythian. They rode horses, they were all tatted up. Right, they were the inventors of scalping, and they would turn the scalps into napkins. <laughs> right, they would take. They said they would take the cranial cap of their victim's head and turn it upside down and line it with gold and drink wine out of it. <laughs> Does that make sense? These were the, and they're in the Bible, y'all. Come on. Yeah. And Paul said, not only are they in the Bible, they're in the church. And they're sitting next to the dude in the three-piece toga. Right? And they're sitting next to the dude in the fancy suit. It was a Greek. He was all cultured. He was all proper. He was a good old southern white guy. Right? And standing next to him was the outlaw biker. And they both belonged. Come on, church. Does that make sense? Yeah. But so you have to be willing. And us as pastors, 
We have to be willing to say, Lord, you send me people and I will love who you send. I will put no qualifications on them. That they look a certain way, that they live a certain way, that they act a certain way. I just ask, Lord, that you show me that they're part of the inheritance you've given me. When I can identify who they are, right, then my commitment, Lord, is, is that I will lay my life down as a pattern for them. Yeah. We'll talk more about this. Does that make sense? Yeah. But belong. Are you hungry to belong? What would it be like in your life if we lived this way? Yeah. What would it be like in your world if, if it was palpable, if the people in your world felt the belonging of Jesus that would flow and emanate from your spirit? So that like the two disciples, they would follow after you just to know where you live. And man, what would it be like if you said, just come on and see? Amen. So y'all remember, every night besides Tuesdays and Thursdays, because we're at church somewhere, every night around 6 o'clock, what happens at my house? Dinner. Everybody know my address, right? 1711 Greenbrier Drive, Fultondale, Alabama, 35068. Guess what you get to do any day you want to. And I'm not just saying that. Why am I saying that? Because my heart is for belonging. Does that make sense? Guys, listen, I've I've seen glimmers of what this can create. The last says when we lived in Canada, we were there and there was a man, um, Mark Vosper. Mark Vosper and his family... Uh, his wife Linda and their son George immigrated from Great Britain to Canada the same time Selena and I immigrated from, from Mexico to Canada. And we ended up in the same neighborhood, same townhome complex. And I met Mark and him and I got to talking and we shared, shared interests and stuff and got to go. And we just, we just owned them. We went home. It was so funny. Uh, he, he's still the first person I've ever taken that, were, that was not saved that went on a mission trip. I was going to Peru when we were in Canada. I was headed to Peru and I was going to do pastor's conferences and leadership conferences. I was invited down uh, to Rayma down there. And as it's still my habit, if Selena can't go with me and I go that far, I like to take somebody with me for accountability purposes. And so I was praying about who to take. And Mark got wind. We were talking about the trip. And he goes, well, Brett, can I go? Now, remember, he's unsaved. Not born again. Wanting to go with me. And the Holy Spirit on this side said, take him with you. And I said, well, man, if you ask now, fair warning, this is not, we're not touring. We ain't going to go see, we ain't going to go see nothing cool. We're going from hotel to church building. That's what we're doing, right? This is, oh, no, I don't care. I just want to go be with you. Everybody say unsaved. Unsaved. Goes with me to, sits in services. Just because he knew he belonged. It was so funny because they, they couldn't compute. Because I told my host, I said, hey, I'm, I'm bringing a guy's name's Mark. He's not saved. But he's coming. And they were like, he's not saved. I said, no, he's not saved. But I feel like I need to bring him. He's going to come. Okay. But they didn't know what to do with it. So they just called him Pastor Mark. <laughs> and he was so funny because he'd go, Man, I came here, I became a vicar. You know? I said, you've been upgraded. We, talk, we talked about God and he listened to messages and he was touched, he was moved, he was never, that I know of, never accepted. 
But he was, listen to me, belonging. I've been amazed with the thought of Jesus had an ability to make unrighteous people incredibly comfortable in the presence of pure righteousness. So that prostitutes, embezzlers, tax collectors, and the worst of the worst could eat with him and be comfortable. Why? Because he knew how to make people belong. Is it, do you see what, you understand why we make a place that make, helps people belong? Yeah. Amen. All right. So Lord, we love you so much. So grateful. So thankful for who you are. Lord, help us with this. Lead us in this more. Father, give us wisdom in the application. Lord, I pray for us. Give us boldness in the application. I know for for some here, maybe many, this might be very challenging to think about opening up our life that big. Because we've been so taught to fear strangers. We've been so taught to protect ourselves. To be on guard against your greatest creation. But Lord, help us to let that down. Help us to open up our lives. Help us to walk in in a measure of of openness and belonging and hospitality that it draws people in. And Lord, our commitment is, is Lord, if if you'll bring them, we'll love them. Lord, if you'll bring them, we'll help them belong. And Lord, when they belong and when they're here, Lord, we'll make them great. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.